Hi, I'm Nicole Webb, the CEO of the Impact Agency, and this is Making an Impact, a podcast to help you be better and do better as a business, individual, and leader through the communications lens. In this episode, we're talking to Katie Eastman, the Group Account Director at the Impact Agency, and she's done some really interesting research into bloggers, influencers, content creators, whatever you want to call them, and their managers. Let's dive in. Well, the last time we chatted, we were talking about the rules brands needed to follow when working with influencers and content creators. But this time, we're going to talk about some research you undertook with Australian influencers and their managers. Pretty interesting stuff. So why did you decide to do this research? I wanted to challenge ourselves, first and foremost, about how we're working with influencers, how we can improve the way that we build our relationships with our content creator partners, how um, the process from briefing through to approvals, through to content going live, and then any amplification off the back of that. Looking at that process, um, does it meet the objectives of the brands that we're working with? How can we do things better? So as I would challenge a brand to do some testing in real time, this first and foremost was an exercise to test ourselves and our process so that we can work better um, and to help clients get better, more meaningful results um, from our influencer campaigns. Yeah, great. Okay, so take me through the methodology. You know, who did you talk to and how did you do it? Yeah, we spoke to 30-plus influencers and their managers. Um, we did it. It's There's a mix of content qual. Um, we did it via a survey um, where we asked a mixture of um, multiple response questions as well as um, open-ended questions as well as we did some follow-up little mini interviews or spotlight interviews um, with some of our partners so that we could get um, some additional insights to help inform what our recommendations are for working with influencers um, over the next six or so months. It's a piece of research that has evolved a lot over the last 10 years. We've been doing pulse checks like this um, with creators since we called them bloggers um, more than 10 years ago. Um, and we'll often um, ask similar questions um, to look at what, how things have changed um, over 12 months, over five years and, and over 10 years as well. It's quite interesting that um, back 10 years ago, just 3% of the influencers that we were speaking to um, were creators full-time um, and less than one in five. So less than 20% earned any money whatsoever um, for their content. It was very much a passion um, project that's, that's and a, really a hobby. Good- Really good segue, actually, to the next question. Um, you know, we've been calling our influencers, well, bloggers and influencers, and now um, now we're calling them content creators. And it's interesting in the research that you did that 69% would also like to be referred to as content content creators as well. Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think the change? I think it's it comes back to the quality of content that our creators are producing. Um, it's not just a quick photo that they take in the spare of the moment and put together a quick caption. Um, there's a lot of planning that goes into developing content for brands and also content that they're just producing for themselves, for their channel as well, so not associated to any brand. Um, there's a lot of planning that goes in um, from um 
how the images are going to look to what's the best message and what's the best way to connect with their audiences on a topic. So I think that elevation from um, we had our bloggers where we were looking at back 10 plus years ago, you were looking at a lot of longer form blog content, which the word blogger kind of fits really nicely. Um, it evolved into influencers um, around the time that we had that big shift towards social platforms as the main um, channel um, to reach audiences. These creators had a huge amount of influence within their communities that they'd created and still do have uh, a really large influence. So I don't think the term's redundant, but utilising the term content creator um, really nods to um, the quality of... It's really ele- it elevates them, doesn't it, really? From, Absolutely. From what started out as maybe a hobby and, and it's very much a profession these days. And, Katie, there's some really interesting insights as well. Yeah, there were, Nicole. There's probably a few would want to talk to you about. The first was um, I think it brings back to the expertise that um, creators have. Those that we spoke to, almost 40% of them have actually been um, in this field for six to ten years, which is a really long time in such a new, in I guess, in the digital space. Um, so it, it speaks to that trusting um, the creators as um the experts on their platform. Um, so I think that's a really important consideration when we are working with with creators around allowing them to, to bring their creativity and find ways to best connect with their audience. Um, I think another key um, takeout, um, which wasn't particularly surprising um, for me, but it's interesting at the same time, is that creators will limit the number of branded posts that they do. It's not all about making money um, for them building their community and building that trust and that authenticity is really important um, 31% of creators like to limit sponsored content to one or two um, campaigns a month um, 15% say they'll do three to four um, 46 so one in two do say that they don't have a limit um but they they are picky on what brands um they will commit to Um, and and interesting their managers have an appetite for more (laughs) yeah that's a different discussion we all we all um that's that's their business is around that is, finding yeah, exactly, the right partnerships exactly. for their their creators. Another one to um, to chat about is TGA listed campaigns. Um, I know we've spoken previously about um, TGA listed campaigns, nuances, complexities. Um, it's reassuring to know that 51% of creators are happy to work on TGA listed products. Um, for sponsored content, um, most will only commit if they've used the product themselves and know that it works, even though that they can't actually talk about that personal experience in the sponsored content under under the guidelines. Um, also very reassuring and also not surprising that 100% of managers um, have a strong say they have a strong understanding of the TGA guidelines um, and they're up to that challenge of helping to guide their creators through content um, development. I was a bit concerned with some one of the open-end responses from a manager who um, who was also concerned um, who said that most agencies they work with um, aren't as aware of the TGA guidelines as they should be and the manager had to educate the agency or the brand themselves, which is a bit scary. If you're working on a TGA-listed campaign, you need to know 
what you can and can't do. There's no gray area. Absolutely. Um, it's very black and white. Yep. And I would um, direct listeners to our previous podcast about the ins and outs of that. What are some of the other standout findings for you? Yeah, look, we've grouped the findings into four areas and there's lots of different mini discussions that we could have under each of these. But at a really top line level, um, we've got four rules for working with influencers or content creators. Um, And there's lots of little segues that we can have within these rules. But the first is interrogating objectives before scrolling for partners. So it's taking that step back and looking at what is the ultimate objective of the partnership with an influencer or a content creator that a brand's looking to do. Um, one partnership or one post um, can't necessarily tick all objectives for a brand. So taking that step back and going, are we looking at top of funnel? Are we looking at that awareness phase? Are we looking to to target those further down in the funnel and we want to nudge to conversion or a different action um, is going to help inform which creators are going to best support that campaign. So it is taking that step back, which can be really hard when it's really busy, taking that step back and making sure that um, everyone in the business is clear on what the objectives are because that should inform who you work with, how you work with them, what content um, you're looking to produce. Yeah, right. So rule number one, interrogate interrogate objectives before scrolling for partners. Yes. Yes. So tell tell me about rule number two. Rule number two is all around authenticity. Um, And it's not just authenticity for the brand, it's authenticity for the creator as well as their community. So it's looking at what authenticity means for each of those parties. So um, a few things that came out were um, from our creators and their, their managers for brands is to be wary of using big burst campaigns. Um, 69% actually prefer always-on campaigns. And whether that's they are always-on or whether the brand utilises an always-on campaign, there's a bit of room for discussion there. Um, but it's about having brands that have a steady voice in market rather than a saturation where their, their community might go, oh, you're just another influencer that's jumped on the bandwagon for some quick money. Um, they're looking for those authentic connections that um, stories are being told um, with some time apart and it's not all over everyone's news feeds at the same time. Sure. The second <laughs> the second is around giving your partners an opportunity to trial your brand before committing to a partnership. Obviously, it doesn't apply to every single brand because sometimes a product might be new and there's not an opportunity because it's brand new to market and you want to you want to get it in their hands as soon as you can and there's not that opportunity to, to do that. But for most campaigns, um, they would prefer to be given the time and the space to trial the product if they haven't trialed it before so that they can authentically say, yes, I like your product um, or yes, it works for me. Um, I was going to say, in your research, it says 62% of creators say that it is very important that they have used a product or service before committing to a paid collab, with 39% saying somewhat important. Nobody said it wasn't important. No, yeah. they, they all want to be given that opportunity because they, they've built this community. Their community trusts them. They want to yep. make sure that whatever they're talking about, 
they believe in themselves. Um, and the third is around saturation rate um, of your creators. So this is how often they are um, sharing branded content on their own feeds. So what's the mix between branded content and non-branded content? Um, if they do too much branded content in a short period of time, you might have the same issue where their community goes, oh, you're just, you're just in it for the money. So it, it's, a, it's a fine balancing act um, for influencers and for brands um, to get that authenticity right. What about gifting, Katie? You know, often we we will send a product out to some influencers just to 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 trial it, and we do a lot of gifting with our with the clients that we work with. What what was the feedback from managers and from influencers around gifting? Look, influencers are really open to gifting um, as long as you've checked with them first. Gone are the days of just sending a pack without asking if they'd like it first. Um, like everyone, influencers are very um, conscious of sustainability and don't want to have things go to waste. Um, so check with them first um, is is key, but having a, an always-on pipeline of gifting allows you to have a pipeline of creators that have already tried your product um, and could potentially go down um, the path of sponsored content with you. I think something that's really, really important is to... Um, make it clear that there's no expectation for your creators to post when you are gifting. Um, if they choose to post, fantastic, um, but there's no there shouldn't be an expectation when you're gifting that they must post. When you are sending product out to them, it's good to just remind them that if they do choose to post, and that's completely up to them, about the um, compliance um, that needs to happen. You still need to disclose um, that you've received that product from a brand and disclose it as an ad. So, so it's quite complex now than what it what it was two, sure. three, five years ago. The, re the research said that 92% of creators post about a gift occasionally if they love the product or campaign, if it's meaningful or will help people or if they need new content to share. So, you know, there is an opportunity there but it's not um, – it certainly should not be expected. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Tell me about rule number three. Actually, rule number two, just wrapping up rule number two, consider authenticity for the brand, um, really, really important. But moving on to your rule number three, provide support but champion creativity. What do you mean by that? Yeah, this is all around um, the brief and supporting your creators through the process of creating content. So um, providing support is um, providing any brand must-haves in the brief upfront, being really clear on what expectations from the brand are, um, but allowing space for creativity. Um, having a brief that's too narrow doesn't allow a creator to find a way to best bring the the um the campaign to life through their authentic voice for their followers um, isn't going to work. You you might get some nice content. It looks good. It ticks all the brand's boxes, but it's not actually going. Nine times out of ten, it's not going to drive action with their, their audience. Um, what works best is if you allow some space in your brief for that creator to bring in their creativity. They, they do this. Most of them do it part-time or full-time. Um, and they've got great ideas. They know what works best. They're the expert in their audience. Don't let the lawyers draft the script, people. <laughs> if if lawyers need to approve, great, but there needs to be an ex great because that means that everyone knows that the, the content's compliant, particularly if it's a TGA listed or another highly regulated sector. But 
having an education piece of the lawyers understand the process um, can help make sure that we're all happy at the end of the day and create great content. Yeah. Okay. So finally, rule number four, you say test trial and test again. Yeah. Like I said at the beginning of our convo today, Nicole, it's important to, to step back and evaluate in real time. Is this working how um, we thought it would? Is there a way that we can improve it? Is it not working? Do we need to divert our efforts to something else? Do we need to relook at our objectives? Have our objectives been muddled? Sometimes we have some great ideas and we might have a, a slight shift in where we take a campaign, but that shift means that we don't actually meet the objectives. So do we need to to come back to the original plan or do we need to reevaluate the objectives um, because sometimes those, those those little diversions can be great um, but at the end of the day if it's not meeting the objective for the business then that, that needs to be addressed. So it's about having those um, little mini tests and mini evaluations in the moment so that um, can get the best results for everyone. There's nothing worse than having a beautiful campaign, beautiful content, but it doesn't actually do what the business needed it to do and it then be considered a failure even though it performed really well in other elements. There's um, there's a, a lovely stat um, in the research that you did around TikTok with influencers saying TikTok is the performance where they see the highest engagement, 54%, but 77% prefer to make content for brands on Instagram. Uh, and 65% of managers that we surveyed say that Instagram delivers the highest engagement for their clients' branded content. Um, sounds like Instagram is the winner, yeah? It is. It's, it's quite, I was quite surprised by these results that influencers think TikTok is where best engagement is, but they prefer for branded content on Instagram. Um, I think it's probably the type of content that's created. Um, it's easier to get on the same page. Um, for content that's created for Instagram when you're working with closely with a brand. Um, it's not to say that you can't have great content on TikTok. There's some really great influencer campaigns. Um, we've worked on some with, with clients as well as other brands that are in market both in Australia and, and internationally. Um, I think what, what's, what's a bit grey is there's no clear answer on which channel is best. Um, it's a, it's again, it's a test and trial. What might when Instagram might have historically performed really well, um, TikTok may perform really well as well. But it's you've got to be able to have that test, have that trial, and better inform. TikTok might be really great for one brand at awareness at that top of funnel um, phase, but then Instagram might perform better um, for conversions. And we have seen that with a few different brands. Um, it's about finding that mix that works um, for both the brand and the, the target audience that you're, you're looking to reach. So, Katie, what's your three hot tips for testing? Don't assume that because it's worked for you in the past that it's going to work again. Um, the algorithm is constantly changing. Creators will tell you this. Brands will tell you this. Social community managers say this all the time. You've got to, you've got to be flexible um, and nimble um, and try, try new things. Um, the second is test results in real time. Make sure the measures you're using ladder up to your objectives. For example, CPM um, can be a good measure for awareness, whereas ROI or code redemptions or website traffic um, can be good indicators for conversions. Um, and the third tip is if it isn't working as well as it could, 
take that step back, evaluate, try something new and test it again. Don't just test it once, continually test. Um, it's important so that we can all all get better results and make great content. Some really good rules there, Katie. Rule number one, interrogate objectives before scrolling for partners. Rule number two, consider authenticity for brand, creator and community. Rule number three, provide support but, the, but champion that creativity that they bring to the plate. And rule number four, test trial and test again. Thank you, Katie, so much uh, for uh, the wonderful insights that you've shared with us today pleasure Nicole. Our next podcast in the series will be talking to the people who manage influencers and content creators and get their take on what their clients are looking for when working with brands. Thanks for listening. Want to see how impact can help your business? Then get in touch by heading to impactagency.com.au.